So everybody, welcome once again as we continue on in this series that we're doing called Get Connected. This is part of the Encouragers plan, which is another big thing that we're putting together to help us sort of understand how the ministry of encouragement works and to keep us focused and to keep it in the forefront of um, what we're doing. And we finished our last series, which was about taking a stand, and we learned Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. At the end of that verse, it said that, uh, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so we, we moved into this series called Get Connected, talking about prayer, and this series um, focuses on Matthew 6, 9 through 13, which I've encouraged you to memorize. Um, and that this was really should be very easy for everyone to memorize because everybody pretty much knows it. Because those verses, if you don't know the address, that's the Lord's Prayer. And really, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it's just one of those, I mean, almost everybody that you meet knows the Lord's Prayer. They may have never been to church or anything, and for whatever reason, they've at some point learned the Lord's Prayer. It's that, uh, that prevalent still. In our society. Now, we're learning it in the New International Version, which might be a little different than um, what some of you are used to. And uh, it's, a, it's a very simple uh, sort of version. And so far, you should have memorized this, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we've also forgiven our debtors. Is that how they say it? Yes. And then today we're going to add the last verse, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's how it says it in the NIV, which I like. Now, people have, you know, different ideas about debts there. For many of us learned about trespasses or sin, all the same word, but in the NIV they use the word debt. And uh, and now, um, the version that many people learned also has another part to it that's not in the NIV, and so we're, we're not going to add to it, because um, we're not sure when it got stuck in there. And it's not a bad part, for thine is the, the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, but since it's not here, we're, we're not going to tack that one on. Although it's a great verse. I, one little kid learned it, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Forever, amen, and FM. AM and FM? No? Nothing? That was weak, wasn't it? See, that's why I love doing that Saturday night. Except that it's on the video. I can scratch that out. I won't have to do that joke tomorrow. But I do have this one. How about the kid who learned the one that we're learning, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some email? Yeah? No? Yeah? I want That's all I got. I kind of like that one. It's better than the first one, right? See, that, that, only, that one's only better because of how bad the other one was, AM and FM. All right. Now I've lost my train of thought. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our point being that with the Lord's Prayer, um, that it's not just, uh, even though I'm having you memorize it, it's not just to recite it as a some sort of substitute for, for a connection with God, but that... Um, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he gave them these verses and that we suggest to you that it's a model for prayer. It's a guideline. It's a help to, to get really connected with God and that you break it down and think about it as you pray. And so when we start with our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name, we, we talked about God as Father and what that means to us. And that Jesus reintroduces him to us with the, the concept of a very intimate Abba, Papa, Daddy kind of relationship. That we're to connect with God in, in that way. And that, um, that he's faithful, that he's true, that he's perfect, and that we can trust him. And that that's supposed to be triggered whenever we start with that prayer that he's our heavenly Papa, our heavenly Daddy, and that he's for us. And, and that my, my hope is that that's your picture of God. Not as a stern taskmaster who's always kind of waiting to jump on you when you mess up, but as a loving daddy who grabs you in his arms and loves you and, and then encourages you to do the next right thing. And then um, we, we talked about in, in the second part, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, basically. Um, the, the, the actual verse is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that the, the process there is to recognize that God's in control and to... Um, continually yield to that control in our lives because that's where we find peace. And um, we we talked about the kingdom a little bit in the process and and that, you know, that we live life, the best way to live life we talked about is by doing the next right thing. We keep bringing that up. I will continue to bring it up because I think it's a focal point of how we're supposed to live with with God in our lives is that it's our, what we do every day is we we... We live it out by trying to do the next right thing. And hopefully, we do the next right thing, and we do the next right thing, and we do the next right thing. And yet, because we all still struggle with sin, at some level, we'll do a wrong thing. This happens to everybody. Got to be honest about it. And that, and yet, knowing that he's our heavenly daddy that loves us, my, my hope is that when you, when you do a wrong thing, rather than allow the enemy to beat you up with guilt and shame, you go right back to God, and you just... Admit it. You, you, you confess it. We talked about that. That you agree with God that it was wrong and that he loves you. And he says, okay, now, now go and you're forgiven. Go and do the next right thing. And he empowers you to do that. We, we talked about give us today our daily bread. And I, I said that we're to go to God with all of our needs. Um, the physical needs, spiritual needs, uh, relational needs, eternal needs. That God meets those. And that he also meets us in the miraculous as we expand it again on the kingdom of God being here but not fully here. And that a very legitimate translation of give us today our daily bread is give us today the bread of tomorrow. That we're to ask for everything. We're allowed to go and ask for everything that he's going to do when he comes back now because the kingdom's here in part. And uh, that's very hard to summarize in the way I just did. If, if you weren't here for that, you should probably go and listen to that message. I think it's very, very important. Last week we talked about the importance of forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is one of those big topics that has to come up all the time because it's foundational to our lives that, that if we don't receive forgiveness, we don't extend forgiveness. And if we don't extend forgiveness, it messes up our relationship with God and with others. And so we talked about the importance of knowing that we're forgiven. Again, so the enemy can't beat us up with guilt and shame. And, and then forgiving others. And that uh, we have to be forgiven, to extend forgiveness. And then we looked at how hard it is sometimes to forgive others. But we, we talked about what forgiveness isn't. And we talked about how we have a wrong view of justice oftentimes. And that we need to work past that in order to just get into a good spot in our connection with God. And so forgiveness is pivotal. That's why it's in the prayer. And that, again, my, my hope is and my uh, my conviction is that as you embrace that and as you really do that on a daily or, or even more often than daily, you know, 
um, sort of process and your connection that it's it's easier to stay sort of in that place where you know you're forgiven and to extend forgiveness to others. And so it's, uh, it's something that we have to be working on all the time. Well, this last verse then, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, uh, is, is again talking about uh, avoiding temptation, which ties in with that thing I just talked about, living by trying to do the next right thing. Because what temptation does is present to us an opportunity not to do the next right thing. That's what temptation is. Pops in our way and tries to lead us in the wrong direction. Now, we have to know that if we do mess up, we can get forgiveness, but that doesn't mean that we just continue to mess up all the time. That's not the point. That's a misunderstanding of grace. And, and so we need to, to make sure that we uh, understand that, that we are to continually, by the, with the help of the Spirit, live by trying to do the next right thing, but we won't always do it. And so when temptation pops up that tries to get us to do the wrong thing, we need to know that God has a plan in place for us to help us every time one of those things pops up. And that's what I want to talk about today. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. We've talked about that. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That reminds me of this story. This, this pastor was talking to this guy. This guy was really overwhelmed with life, and he'd gone to the pastor for help. And he, he said to the pastor, I just, I just don't think I can take it. And the pastor sort of said to him, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. And the guy looked at the pastor. He said, I wish God didn't trust me so much. Okay, tough crowd. <laughs> so, <laughs> when, when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it, which to me means that you can do the next right thing. There's always a way out, always. He always provides a way out. And I want to break that down into three, three little points, that verse so that we can sort of do with it. The first point then would be when you are tempted. When you are tempted. Temp- no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. All of us face temptations. Even Jesus faced temptations. When he was here, the only difference is he never gave in to them. But, but temptations are common to men. You need to know that. Because so, sometimes people think this never happens to anyone else. Temptation happens to everyone. You are not unique in that regard. Um, and it says, but when you are tempted. And in order to, to get some help out of this, I want to just change that verse a little, just, just to look at it, not messing with Scripture. But I want you to look at those words and then ask yourself this question, because it's important. When are you tempted? When are you tempted? Because I'm convinced that you have some patterns in your life that kick you into this process of giving in to temptation. And that if you can uh, sort of identify the pattern a little bit, then it's easier to see the way out when God provides it, because he always does. And so you need to ask yourself questions like this. When am I most tempted? Is there a time 
that you're most tempted. It might be a time in the day. You might find that you get tired, you're more tempted, or at certain things. Maybe there's a time in the day. Maybe there's a trigger from your life that all of a sudden you're way more tempted at 5 o'clock than you are at 1 o'clock. I don't know. Is there a time? When? What, what's the, is there, is there, when, you know, does it happen? When do you notice that you are most tempted? Um, if you can figure that out, you need to ask yourself the next question, which is, what am I doing when that happens? What am I doing when I'm most tempted? When, when I'm, because you, you know it, but you, you, we don't always stop to figure it out. What am I doing when I'm most tempted? Uh, another good question to ask is, where am I? When I am most tempted. Where am I? When I am most tempted. Who am I with? Might be a problem. When I'm most tempted. What is it that's most tempting to me? How about this? This is a big one. How do I feel right before I'm tempted? Maybe there's something going on. See, and the, the, the power in that is that if you can identify... Those things, you, you're able to stand a little stronger when they happen. See, because I, I, I promise you there's a way out. Because God says there is. But, but sometimes we launch so quickly into the temptation that we don't see it. Or we miss it. Or we blow right by it. Or we just decide we want what we want. But, but there's always a way out when um, temptation happens. And so we, we need to sort of get a, a, a look at it and see what's happening. Because there's things that might lead to it. Years and years and years ago, very early in my ministry, it's a long time ago now, um, the, I was, uh, there was a, a, a young woman who uh, struggled with, uh, alcohol was her big thing that got her in big trouble. And she wanted to do the right thing. She knew that it, it wasn't something that she could do. And she made some changes in her life and said, you know, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And it was good. And she was, she was making progress and she was doing real good. And then uh, one day she called me and said, um, I just I got all messed up again. You know, I'm right back to where I was. And I said, well, okay, what you need to do now is just start over, get a new start. But let's talk about what happened. I said, what happened? And she said, she said well, I was, <laughs> okay. I went to the bar. I was like, oops. <laughs> but I didn't. She, and, I, and, and she said, but, well, she said, what happened was, but I went last week and it was no problem. I said, why'd you go there? She loved to shoot pool. That was something she loved to do. She said, so I went last week and I shot pool. No problem. Everything was fine. Had a, had a Coca-Cola. No issues. No problems. Thought I could handle it. She said, and then, and then I went again. And the next time that she went back, see now, so her defense is a little down. And the other thing that had happened when she went back is she'd gotten paid too. <laughs> So now she's going back with a pocket full of cash. And she started out right, but all of a sudden, she made a wrong choice. And then, whoop, right back. So, so what, what we had to identify was, okay, well, some of the triggers are, A, um, you know, if you like to shoot pool that much, save your money and buy a pool table. <laughs> and put it in your house. Which, if you weren't wasting your money on everything else, you could probably have in a couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, catch the triggers. What was it? Pocket full of money. Probably not good to be around stuff you shouldn't be doing when you've got a pocket full of money. Um, and the environment altogether. Just not able to deal with it at that level. So, these are things you can look at. Now, you know, I'm not making judgments on any of that stuff. I'm just saying that in this case, that was the issue. 
And so you have to be honest with yourself. What, what is it that gets you in trouble and make changes? Um, you know, I have discussions sometimes with people that end up in, in bad things on the Internet. And I, I say, okay, well, let's change that. Here's what you do. Uh, never go on the Internet when you're alone. And the, the, some people look at me like I'm strange. Always have that monitor facing the open part of the room so that you're not cloistered behind it. So that you're, and, and, you know, if you, if you can't, get off the computer. People live without them for a long time. Uh, you, you know, and people look at me like I'm insane, but if, you, if it's causing you to live life in a bad way, stop it. There's ways around it. Get a phone that doesn't let you on the Internet, and you can still get email through. You know what I mean? There's, there's always options if you really want to deal with this stuff. And so you have to identify what the problem is and look for some of the triggers and then see that there's a way out. There's always a way out. God always makes a way out. There's always a point before you choose to fall into temptation and sin where you can make a different choice. Always. Because he's always there. He says he promises. But we blow past it so fast because it, it uh, gets in the way. So, you, you, if you can get a handle on the pattern of your vulnerability, you're more able to see clearly the second point, which is that he always provides a way out. He will provide a way out. He will. It's a, it's a promise. I promise you it's there. Always. Um, some weeks ago, I taught you my anxious prayer. Were you here when I taught that very powerful prayer? I don't know if you remember it. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You remember that? my anxious prayer. Um, I'll have a, I have a prayer for you when you're being tempted. That I think this will help you as well. All right, you ready? You might want to write this down. Let's go. Help! Isn't God good? <laughs> did, you, did you write it down? Okay. Um, do you know that Jesus is sympathetic to what you're going through. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, the, the thing is, if you can identify the pattern... And, and start realizing what it is, then, then the next thing that you do is you ask God to help. And I, I, you think I'm oversimplifying it. That's my prayer. Help. I need help. Uh, this is about to go in a bad direction. I, I know all the signs. I know what's happening. I need your help. And it's fascinating that he always meets you there. If you'll, I promise you he'll meet you right there. You know, part of that's that's uh, um, you've got to want him to meet you there, but you cry out help, and he'll help you. And then the third point to that is that you can stand up under it, which to me always means you can do the next right thing. See, because while the trigger for temptation might be an outside thing, the actual temptation is inside you, and and so God will meet you. And provide you a way out if you ask him for help. James 1, 14 and 15 says, Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Takes us in the wrong direction, causes us to do the wrong thing. So, what do we have to do? We have to guard 
our hearts. We, we start to guard at some level what we allow in. Proverbs 4, 23, above all, 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. So if you're feeling attempted, the best thing you can do is pray. And it, it, again, anybody can pray that prayer I just taught you. Help! You, you do that. And then, see, because I think this is where most people get in trouble. When they decide they're trying to do the right thing, that they, they start thinking that it's their willpower that's going to get them through it. And it doesn't ever... Willpower, willpower is just not very effective. I, I don't know if you've realized that, but most people, our willpower is just not that awesome. You know, because if it were, every one of your New Year's resolutions would take hold and like none do. <laughs> you know, they just, because they're all willpower things. And, and willpower is... It's just, it doesn't work. And, and so, we think that we'll avoid temptation by our willpower. And we say, well, I'm just not going to do it. But the reality is, that kind of resistance is usually futile. People are looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, do you know in the Bible, as far as I can tell, I, it never says that we're to resist temptation. You know what it says? We're to resist the devil, which is a completely different thing. But with temptation, we're supposed to do something different. And what we're supposed to do is, it's not we resist it, is, is that we change our focus. See, because when you start trying to willpower your way out of something, you're still thinking about it. And, and you just keep thinking about it, it's going to get you. But if you'll change your focus, so you cry out to God, help, and then you change your focus. It's like this. If you were watching something on the television, and something comes on that you don't like, I'm, I'm convinced that you don't sit there and go, I'm not watching, I'm not watching, I'm not watching. You grab the remote and you change the channel, right? I mean, my hope would be that. Or if you, everybody's got a remote now, because I can't, or you get up and change the channel, but I don't even know how to change a channel on my TV without a remote. <laughs> I don't, the TV I have now. I, I couldn't even figure out how to turn it on and off. I'm like, I hope we never lose this remote. There's no buttons on it. There's nothing. It's, Anyway, I'm really off track. Okay, so so you don't just say, when this tempted, I'm not going to do it. You cry out to God for help, and then you change your focus. Second Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets it up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So this, we're, we're, this temptation has hit us. We can, we, we, we've thought about it enough that we know, okay, I'm in that stream now. This is where I'm at. And we're, we're cho- choosing to call out to God for help. And he meets us there. And then what we need to do is change our focus. You need to quit thinking about that and think about something else. You need to, to think about what's pure, what's true, what's lovely, what's noble, what's right. And you, you change focus. And, and that God helps you with that. See, that, that, that temptation thing is powerful in your brain. And it starts doing all these things. So you, you cry out for help because your willpower is not enough. And then God will help you to change your focus and you, you change it. You, you, you move with him and you, you think about these verses. Now, to me, that, that verse, Philippians 4.8, is very powerful. We've talked about it a lot. We'll talk about it more. Enough to the point where our next series, which is going to be uh, starting next week, and we're going to call it Give Thanks, 
finally because of Thanksgiving, is going to be Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Because I think you need to memorize those verses as well. And you'll pick that one up as you do. And that, that my encouragement is that that's what you do. So, so if, as you are praying through getting connected with God, and you're spending the time, and that, that part of this process is that you start every day, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That you ask him to immediately help you see when you're falling into those traps. That, that he would be there with you, quickening you, because you've spent some time thinking about it. And that when it happens, because you're connected to him, you can cry out help. And he'll meet you there. And then you change your focus. Just, it's not a willpower thing, it's a focus change. And you ask God to meet you there, and he will. And, and he's so faithful to do it. It's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing, really. If you've, if you've been struggling with something, if you'll do those simple things, you'd be surprised how he meets you there and helps you to change your focus and move into something different. And so that's that part of the prayer. If, I, I hope you've memorized Matthew 6 and uh, 9 through 13 and that uh, I'm really looking forward to our next little series on giving thanks, which is part of the encourager's plan. We're putting that all together. And um, if you haven't memorized some verses, go back to get the ones that we got. We got a, two more sets coming. The verses from Philippians 4, 4 through 8, and then 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8.